This is the Healthcare Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. No industry, including sick care, can be fixed from inside. For every one hour that they spend on patient care, they're spending up to two hours on EHR data entry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Healthcare Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Today, we're looking inward as an industry to the culture, interactions, and mentorship that impact healthcare professionals. It's an important part of what helps healthcare professionals function and thrive, especially amid consistent issues of employee burnout. Our guest today is making a case for a specific kind of healthcare training called Care Team Coaching, which is bringing positive reinforcement and strength-based development to care professionals. Here to explain a little more is Janice Gray, CEO and founding partner of DTA Associates. Janice, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to diving into this issue and getting your full description and analysis of what care team coaching is and how it affects healthcare professionals. But I think we need to set the stage first with this issue of employee burnout in healthcare. Uh, It's something that we've talked about previously on the podcast, something that many professionals have devoted their entire episode of the podcast to. And it seems like it's a mix of different things. It's a mix of losing morale, of lacking resources and feeling like, you know, these professionals can't provide the care that they really wish they could. And all of this combines to people leaving the profession early, and now we're lacking qualified professionals. Is this something that you're feeling on your end of healthcare as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. And, you know, it's, there's so much out there right now about how to build resiliency within the care team or how weight strategies to combat burnout across the continuum for nurses, physicians, techs, pharmacists, you name it. Um, and I think it's contributed to with all of those things you just mentioned, as well as what I see is a lot of people just losing sight of why they first got into this profession, what first drew them to this, why they wanted to make a difference. And all of those other variables have confounded them to a point that you're right. There are people leaving the profession and it's sad. Um, This strategy that we're going to talk about today, I think is one of the best ones that I've seen to help foster a sense of reconnection to purpose, to role into the organization. Yeah. And I mean, any kind of professional development or, you know, something in that spectrum that can help keep people in the industry and help keep them passionate about what they do, I think is always crucial because there are, you know, larger issues that take longer to address, whether that's infrastructure or lack of funding, you know, things that need time to build out. Something like coaching, you know, a a program based around boosting your professionals that are in the space, that's something that can be implemented relatively soon compared to trying to address other issues to keep um, professionals in healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. We find that there's, that's part of what I love about this, this methodology, if you will, is that there is such a quick win um, in terms of the time spent, um, relatively little investment on the part of the organization, and it produces pretty much immediate results within the care team members. So before we get into why you approached care team coaching as 
really a, a one-stop shop solution for motivating and encouraging professionals in healthcare. I think it's important to understand you as a professional in healthcare and what motivates you. Um, so for our listeners, here's a quick little bio on Janice. Janice is a co-founder and the CEO of DTA Associates Incorporated, which is a healthcare consulting firm in Minneapolis. And DTA develops customized solutions to help healthcare organizations to enhance their patient experience and streamline processes. She's a coach, a teacher, and a national speaker. And Janice is passionate about communication, specifically how to help staff and physicians enhance their connections to further patient understanding and engagement. She's also the author of Beyond CAHPS, a guide for achieving patient and family-centered care. Janice, you know, I feel like your journey into the industry um, is really telling of why you wanted to you know, put your whole career on care team coaching and and really emphasize that as an important piece of the healthcare industry. You know, what brought you into healthcare in the first place, and what really got you excited about the patient experience and wanting to deliver care provider solutions in the first place? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I went on a service learning project when I was uh, graduating from high school and went down to the country of Guatemala and did a ton of work with the people there. And it just kind of shifted my approach. I was going to go into business and marketing and um, instead, I came back and decided I wanted to be a social worker. And so that drew me further into this field. Um, I started off uh, coming out of college, uh, working as a social worker, and uh, specialized in a clinic for people with Parkinson's. But then eventually, got uh, that marketing business side kept coming back around, too. And I went back and got a master's of healthcare administration. So I came out, worked at a very large health system here in Minneapolis, uh, did a variety of kind of director of operations type roles. And then I started to get more interested in this idea of improvement and uh, was trained as a Lean Six Sigma practitioner, worked in the corporate office. And then one day they said, hey, we've got this thing called patient experience and we generate a lot of surveys and we get a lot of data, but we don't exactly know what we're doing with it. Do you think you could come and take a look? And for me, I just felt like this work in patient experience um, that was 10 years ago now that that conversation happened. Um, this just feels like I've come full circle uh, back to the social work piece and really wanting to make a difference in the lives of patients and families. So for me, it's just been um, kind of a trifecta of sorts of all of those variables coming together. In care team coaching, if you think about it, I was trained as a social worker. I was trained in communication, empathy, active listening, all of these kind of key care practices that now I'm out there observing in physicians, nurses, et cetera. Um, and it's, it's kind of cool to watch how the arc of your, your path and, and the, the career development happens, and this is where we are. Okay, so now to the kicker here, right? The, the main point of the conversation, we're going to focus on care team coaching. So when you hear the word coaching, I think it's most often associated with sports and physical performance, though more recently I have seen it used in the context of lifestyle coaching, professional development, etc. Where does coaching fit into healthcare professional development? And where do you really see these professionals needing coaching? Not just education, not just information, but coaching specifically. Yeah, it's a great question because, you know, part of the work that we do is uh, we'll do service culture training and empathy training for people. 
But over time, what I've realized with that is that training in that form, like a classroom setting, is really necessary but insufficient. And it's the coming alongside of the one-on-one real-time observations of a coach um, with their track shoes on, trying to keep up with a nurse going throughout the unit on a very busy Tuesday morning, uh, that providing that feedback one-on-one that has such a power, it brings those concepts that we may teach about in some sort of a communications course, it suddenly brings them to life. Because what I find is that, you know, if we sit in the class and they're talking about showing courtesy and respect and listening carefully and explaining things in a way that patients can understand, most of us sit there and we look around at the other people and say, well, it must be them because, you know, my mom raised me to do a better job than that, you know? And so there's this weird bias that occurs. I've seen it all across the country where people think, oh, she must be talking to him because she's not talking to me. And then when we get out, though, and we have a chance to see people live in action, suddenly it becomes so much more personal. And for that reason, I really feel like the coaching is such a sacred space for the coach to be invited into. Um, You're really, you're seeing professionals um, at a pinnacle point with patients and families. And it's truly a privilege to be invited into that And then to speak into that with what you see, um, the positives, as well as any small opportunities or adjustments that you can identify. So it's really more of an emphasis on mentorship, right? And and getting more personalized education and training, but really just someone to kind of help guide you through some of the, the bigger issues that might be affecting you as a healthcare professional. Yeah, I think the one thing that I would add to that is that um, the coaches that we have and myself, obviously, I'm a social worker. I'm not a clinical team member by any means. Um, And many of the coaches that we've trained all across the country, they're they're not a mentor in the sense of like they have more experience than a physician or like I coached a neurosurgeon one day. I mean, he had so many so much more expertise than I did. (laughs) Right. But our coaches. Right. You're 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 not taking the scalpel from him and and getting in the operating room. Goodness. (laughs) Goodness. No. (laughs) Um, But I'm our coaches were, were mentors or were experts in the specific care team communication, different key care practices that make a difference based on what patients and families have said. And so um, I don't disagree with you with the concept of mentorship. I just think it's an interesting twist on it that often we think about a mentor as someone who's you know more experienced or has a longer career or you know has just different wisdom and insight. And, and that part is true here in the sense of just the wisdom and insight that the coach is reflecting is basically coming at that and giving them some real life um, eyes and ears coming at it more from the vantage point of the patient and family member. So when we compare this to maybe more traditional or more expected kinds of coaching, like in athletics or even even leadership coaching, how does care team coaching and in healthcare professional coaching differ? from those approaches? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, well, a couple things. A lot of, I'm done doing several certification courses myself as a, as a executive coach. And one of the biggest differences between this care team coaching and ongoing executive coaching is just the nature of that relationship. In an executive or leadership coaching situation, very often it's an ongoing um, 
I won't say protracted, but longer relationship over months or years of time. And there are a variety of issues that are dealt with on a weekly or monthly basis between that coach and the person that's being coached. Um, Same thing from a sports perspective. You know, a lot of times we have, um, you know, the athletes, you're used to a coach, the coach is there at every single practice, every game, et cetera. This care team coaching is much more of a point in time doesn't mean that coaches may not follow up and, and come back and visit with a provider at a, at a time down the road, but most of it is done kind of a, a one and done, honestly, in a lot of organizations. And the coach will go out, spend a couple hours with the person and provide some verbal feedback and then also send them a written report. Um, but usually based on the size of the organization, um, there's several thousand people in the organization that are waiting to have that same experience and there's just not enough coaches to go around. And so um, it's rare that organizations are able to provide this as an ongoing uh, event for their nurses or physicians beyond, you know, once every two to three years. So I think that's one big difference is just the, the nature or the timing of the relationship. I think the other part is that, you know, in executive or leadership coaching, uh, we're taught as coaches in, in that realm of coaching that, you know, the first question you're asking in the foundational stage is, what would you like to talk about today? And the the client really gets to set the stage for that. The reality is in care team coaching, the patients and families set the stage for the day. And so we're there at that point in time with a nurse or physician or whomever. And the next two hours, the agenda is really set by the patients and families that that staff member is going to interact with during that time. So it's kind of a different nature of, of the agenda and the scope is really about those patient interactions that occur within that time period. Right. It's less set by the coach themselves as like, here is our, here's our regiment or routine or our agenda for the day. It really is more of a, a listening game than anything else. Yeah, Absolutely. And I feel like coaching often gets framed in this narrative of, you know, grind through the pain to come out on top and and coaches play into that, I mean, I guess for lack of a better word, like negative energy. And I'm not saying it doesn't work to be aggressive as a coach, but that's not always the most productive approach for every industry or every scenario for, for coaching. You know, I, I don't think that would work very well in healthcare. So why not go for that kind of punitive or, or self-punitive form of coaching when you're approaching healthcare coaching? I, I, the answer feels kind of obvious, but but I'm sure there are some more nuanced reasons why you didn't go in that direction to kind of, you know, act like, hey, we're, we're here to push you. We're, we're here to help and be like a driving force, but instead kind of give a, a backseat kind of listening approach to coaching. Yeah, no, those are all great questions. I think, uh, first off, part of what you said with coaching kind of getting a bad rap, you know, if you think about it, historically in healthcare, the only kind of coaching we hear about is like performance improvement. Like I'm put, I've done something wrong or I'm, I'm being managed out. And so I, I'm under coaching, you know, and so it has a negative rap there. Um, you can even think about, you know, some teams where the the kids are coerced to play on the team and it's mom or dad's dream for them to be a soccer star. It's not really theirs. Uh, we had that example last fall. My second grader was on a soccer team and this little kid leaned over to him while they were on the sidelines. And he said, yeah, um, I'm just here for the treats. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's, there's the coercion that happens when people are made to do something. And that's not the approach that we wanted to take here. Um, you know, when I was going to training as a social worker, 
and uh, learning in these classes about communication and empathy. If you'd ever told me in a million years that I would shadow a neurosurgeon throughout his day and then coach him on those communication care practices, I would have just laughed you off the face of the earth. I mean, I couldn't ever imagine doing that. And yet, once I got into this work and I was able to see it from the patient and family member's eyes, you realize that there's an opportunity to really affirm the strengths in people. And I have made several people cry while coaching, not because I told them something bad, but because I was telling them the good stuff. And I, and, and the, you know, the first time it happened, I was just shocked. You know, I was like, oh my goodness, what did I say that made you cry? And this person, you know, this accomplished clinician is sitting in front of me weeping and um, they just said, you know what? We never hear the good stuff. We only hear if we screw up. And then, you know, then it's a whole different kind of conversation. And so I just became even more convinced that the power in this modality and the culture change that we see that happens within organizations when they are starting to coach enough people, a critical mass within the organization, the power really comes from that strengths-based approach. It gets back to what you talked about at the beginning around burnout and resiliency. You know, this is a great strategy to affirm the good in other people. It, it, it helps the person who's being coached to hear the good things and really start to get reacquainted with why they got into this work in the first place and connect them to that sense of purpose again. We also find it happens for the coaches. You know, most of the coaches in most many of the organizations we work with, they have another full-time job or part-time job as a 0.6 or 0.8 as a nurse or a tech or whomever. And then they agree to become a coach and do hours above and beyond their regular you know, job to go out and coach in the organization. And I've had some of them say to me, man, I'm starting to feel really burned out. I was working charge nurse in a busy ED and I'm just getting pummeled and I didn't want to go to work anymore. And then I got trained to be a coach and now it's like a breath of fresh air. I get to go out. I get to appreciate other colleagues. I get to see the good in other people. And that has actually caused me to feel like I can keep going and find the good in my role as well. Which is incredible to have that kind of effect, um, you know, from one interaction it really has a ripple effect, a domino effect on the rest of the industry. Uh, you know, if you impact one professional positively, then they bring that positive energy and positive reinforcement to each of their interactions with their patients, then, you know, that that just expands. And you can feel the effect kind of reach everyone in the industry. It's, it, it's pretty powerful stuff. Absolutely. I... I just continue to be more and more of a believer in this. Um, and it's so positive. It's it's just even the people who are skeptical going into it turn the corner and are telling everybody about, man, that was a great experience. Everybody should get a chance to do this, you know? Right, exactly. So one more aspect of coaching I want to kind of pick your brain on is looking at coaching for more artistic disciplines. So when you look at artists or musicians, um, you know, coaching really is like constructive criticism. It's honesty, but it's also direction and creative influence. Do you see any of that reflected in care team coaching as well? Any of that kind of 
you know, here's where, you know, I'm going to give you the honesty, even if it's tough to hear, but it's in a positive light. You know, it's not like, it's not like a, a grinding mentality, but it's a, you know, here is a, here's what needs to be done. Here's my feedback for you as a professional. Um, yeah. How, how do you approach that constructive criticism and honesty that you often see in more artistic uh, worlds of coaching? Yeah, no, it's an excellent question. So when I'm out coaching with people, I'm looking for these key care practices, but I put them in three buckets. So the strengths, the things that I saw them do, every single time the opportunity was presented, they did it. Then there's these things that I call inconsistencies, things that they did some of the time, but not all of the time. And when I'm giving their feedback about those, I'm just asking them to lean into those more. It's already still a great practice and it's already a part of them in their practice. They just didn't do it all the time. And I'm encouraging them to, to think about how they can incorporate that more consistently. And then there's usually one, maybe two opportunities. And it uh, doesn't mean that the person you're observing doesn't have more opportunities, but we have a definite... Um, methodology that the strengths need to out outnumber the inconsistencies, need to outnumber the opportunities. Um, we believe that there's really just one or two things that someone can think about focusing on. Um, and so those are the opportunities. And for those, we really just offer up to say, hey, you know, you know what's more true of you across 100 patients. I can only tell you about the five that we saw together today. Uh, but in each of those situations, there was an opportunity to use more open-ended questions. And instead, you ask a closed question and you got kind of a yes-no response. And I just invite you to think about if that's something you can incorporate into your practice. And we find that by, you know, having those strengths be so positive, people are affirmed in them and they live into them more. We frame the inconsistencies as an opportunity you can just keep doing more of. And then one or two opportunities that they might actually start or stop in their practice, depending what it is. Um, we find that that's very powerful. We survey the participants after the coaching and um, ask them, you know, what they thought about the experience, what they would tell other people about it, and what, if anything, they're doing differently because of it. And I'm always impressed by the things that are coming back from the people who've been coached where, you know, they're saying, um, you know, I'm trying to be more time specific and not just say someone will be with you shortly, or I'm thanking my patients, um, asking permission before just doing things to them, explaining, trying to use the patient's first name, um, things like that. And so we can tell that there, those opportunities are things that they do here, um, uh, that, that critical constructive feedback, however you want to phrase that. Um, they're hearing that and they're making changes uh, because of it. Yeah, which I'm glad to hear. You know, I think that is one of the most valuable parts of having a coach is getting that honesty on what you can improve on. Because uh, like you said, you can bring people to tears with the stuff that, you know, they're doing well and it's great to hear the positives. But the growth and presenting it in a, in a constructive way comes from that honesty and from saying, hey, you know, you can improve here and your patients will, you know, be more receptive to this and it will improve your time with the patients because they'll treat you more like, you know, a person and not like just someone that's there to treat them and then move on. It's all a, a feedback loop. You know, you exude positivity to the patient. They will then 
bring positivity back to you and then you feel better about your job. They feel better about the experience and everyone's happy. So all of that comes from constructive criticism. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's dig into how to bring care team coaching to a professional team, to a hospital, to care providers. Um, what is your step-by-step process for getting care team coaching to professionals? I'm sure there are several different steps to prep the coach themselves to get people at the organization in the right mindset to want a coach there kind of shadowing their their every move you know it, it's um it's all a process and something that you got to get everyone on the same page for yeah absolutely you know there's there's one thing about this that concerns me and that's when organizations just say hey so and so is a high performer let's send them out there and they can go coach people um, that's just a really scary um, recipe for not success I guess I would say um, what we have done instead is make sure that the person we're training as a coach is really passionate about this and is really ready and excited to go out there to do a really good job um, and we also, so we're evaluating them as much as we're asking the coach to evaluate and make sure that this is the right thing for them. I think the last thing you want to do is enter that privileged sacred space that I was talking about with someone who just doesn't want to be there or is not, um, able to do it and see as many of the strengths and positives that we need to, in order to make it a good experience. And so our, our methodology is, um, involves a pretty pretty uh, intense vetting process throughout. So the person is identified within the organization to be trained as a coach. Their manager is first approached to say, hey, so-and-so was, was recommended for this. Do you affirm that? Um, are they, would they be a good example, a good role model, a champion to be seen throughout the organization? If the manager signs off on it. Then we approach the coach, talk to them a little bit about it. We make sure that they have their own coaching experience where someone comes out and shadows them in their job. So they get that experience of what it's like to have somebody observing you and giving you feedback and that they, they then can articulate what that experience was like for them uh, and what they might be working on in their own personal practice. Then we bring usually a, a cohort of coaches together when we're training them. They go through um, about 10 hours worth of workshops, learning about the coaching approach, the methodology, um, learning about, you know, 50 some key care practices, what they look like in the positive or inconsistency or opportunity states, um, and give them some initial opportunities to start trying to deliver feedback and getting comfortable, um, not only calling out the strengths, but also suggesting those one or two things that that person might do differently. Then we do a series of steps where the coach in training will observe one of our coaches. So we go out and together we'll observe a physician, nurse, whomever. But our DTA training coach is really in the driver's seat. The coach that is being trained is really just observing at that point. We come back, we, we deliver the feedback to the person, the participant, and then we'll go back and the coach in training and our coach write the report together. We believe having a, a leave-behind report that is sent to the person, customized to them, but providing specific resources and uh, literature articles that help support uh, both their strengths as well as any opportunities, we think that's a really important piece. So we do a couple sessions like that where the coach in training is observing our coach, then we flip-flop it. And uh, the coach in training is not completely set loose yet. 
Um, they have a shadow to the shadow. So our coaches are out shadowing them while they are shadowing a nurse or whomever. They deliver the feedback, but we're there to help give any insights or add in anything that gets missed or help them if they lose a word. Um, and then we work on that report together, but they predominantly write that report and they're more in the driver's seat. Then we have a self-assessment that is done by the coaches. They also take a coaching exam, and then we have a capstone session for them uh, before they are actually turned loose to go out and coach on their own. We also uh, have a series of quarterly training sessions that we offer for coaches. Um, again, most organizations uh, can't afford to have a full-time paid coach or several of them, and so they're usually pulling folks out of a, another part-time role and then they coach on the side. And so we find that um, there's a great independence that happens in that for those coaches, but they need a way to stay connected and continue to build their skills as coaches. So that's why we offer uh, these quarterly training sessions ongoing uh, within the organization for all of their coaches to come together and have kind of a pullback and a chance to go deeper on key care practices um, and learn more and continue to build their own practice. So you're really seeing a lot of positive response from people within the industry and motivating professionals within the industry to sort of part-time coach instead of leaning more towards social workers being the ones that coach in, in this realm. It, it really thrives when it's another healthcare professional that gets trained and is able to give that coaching. Yeah, we, we see that happening more and more. In fact, the very first time that I was uh, doing some coaching, uh, we had a group of 75 hospitalists and we had kind of folks like I'm describing, you know, people trained just in the key care practices. They didn't have any other major expertise on other than coming from a coaching lens and coming from the patient perspective. And that was done in one division of the company. And they saw, you know, 75 hospitalists improve the national rate of of improvement on physician communication like 10 times faster than the rest of the nation. At the same time, they actually took some um, clinical psychologists and had them go out and observe physicians in the exam rooms and in an ambulatory setting and provide feedback there. And those physicians actually didn't see as much improvement as those using the kind of just the care team coming at this from the patient perspective coaches saw. So it's an interesting thing to think about. And, you know, we'll, we'll train and work with anybody who has the, the right posture and approach to become a coach. Um, so I'm kind of agnostic to the background, but I would say um, in most organizations, we're seeing people who, um, you know, nurses, techs, coordinators, um, admin support people who are looking to kind of get another view of their organization and, and going through some training to go out and do this with their colleagues. I love that. So to kind of start to wrap things up, Janice, I feel like this is one of those things that we can talk about how it works, why it works, why it's cool. But I think we need some of that personal context to really drive things home. This is one of those things that you know, you don't understand the power of it until you hear how it affected the individual um, because the, those stories are really powerful with coaching. So I wanted to ask, what's one of your own coaching experiences or one of your team members' coaching experiences that really speaks to you as a favorite, that really showcases why care team coaching works and why it's so powerful for care professionals? Yeah, you know, there's so many. Um, I'm going to just, I'll pick one, but 
um, it was actually my experience. I was out coaching with a hospitalist. Uh, this was back many years ago now. And we spent pretty much the morning together kind of tooling around the hospital. And uh, we got done. And I still remember we sat on a bench kind of in the hallway outside the emergency department. And I debriefed with her and I told her all of her strengths, couple inconsistencies. And with her, I said, you know, all day you've been saying to your patients, do you have any questions for me? And everyone says no. And then we leave the room. And that's really a closed question. I'd really encourage you to think about if you could say that differently, like what questions do you have for me? And then wait a minute and see what they say. And she kind of looked at me and I was like, I know it sounds really picky, kind of subtle, but just, just play with it, you know, see what happens. And so I went on about my day. I went off to coach another physician in the afternoon And that night, about six o'clock, I got an email from the first physician from the morning. And she said, Janice, exclamation point, my patients have questions. (laughs) She just said, all these years, I've been out there running around asking, do you have any questions? They say no. I leave the room. Now I might get a page later from the nurse who went back into the room. And then the patient finally came up with their question. And then I got to call them back and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I thought I was just this amazing explainer all these years. And she's like, I found out I just wasn't asking the question the right way. She's like, now when I ask it more open-ended, what questions do you have for me? She's like, they actually have questions and I can find out what I can just clarify right then in the moment and explain it to them better. And so it was just, it was so cool to me because here was some direct feedback of something that, you know, we debriefed at noon. She went out and used it that afternoon. And at six o'clock that night when she was done charting and whatnot, decided it was a big enough deal that she wanted to take the time and email me about it. And I'll never forget that because it was just like such a great example of a small twist or change in the nuance of our language that can make a really, really big difference to patients and families. I love that. I love that literally rephrasing something to instead of being a yes or no question to being an open-ended question can immediately create results. And that's the kind of change that I think people need to look for regardless of industry. You know, there's so many issues afflicting everything. Uh, Labor shortages, I think, are one that Healthcare, manufacturing, um, you know, transportation. I mean, everyone's feeling that kind of tightening cord. Um, and these kind of little changes where you approach professional development differently or you approach, you know, how you treat customers or clients or each other as um, professionals within your industry – those little things can have such a large impact on the success of your industry. And I think it's just, uh, you know, it's evident with your example here. Yeah. No, it's exciting because everybody's trying to make a difference in the the patient experience world in particular. And, you know, we're measured publicly on scores and things like that. And most of the physicians and nurses that I work with could kind of care less about the scores. But I do know that the organizations and the board and the C-suite cares about the scores. And when you look at that, to me, that's a real downstream outcome effect of this work, but we see it over and over and over again, that when organizations will focus on their coaching and work with a certain group or unit or, you know, hospitalist group of physicians, uh, they see demonstrable improvement in their patient experience scores. So it's not just making a difference to the person being coached. It's not just making a difference to the coach. Uh, We can see that it is bearing out and it is changing the way in which they interact with patients and family members. So to sum things up, 
If you had to give one piece of advice for a leader or organization that's looking to launch or looking to advance their patient experience strategies, what would it be? You know, how would you kind of take all of this advice for care team coaching and elevator pitch it? Um, because it, though care team coaching, like you just explained, really has that ripple effect impact on the industry, some people may not be sold yet. Some people may not have the time or the energy to think, okay, we can now bring this to our entire organization. So even if they can't implement care team coaching, how would you help a leader better understand that sometimes these small changes can have large effects for their organization, for the healthcare industry as a whole? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I find that the number one thing that I that I hear from leaders in organizations across the country when it comes to patient experience is everybody's looking for the silver bullet. And um, I have to say that after, you know, multiple, multiple years in healthcare and 10 specifically in this patient experience space, I've seen nothing more powerful or closer to said silver bullet than this modality of care team coaching. Uh, we can train people, send them through workshops. We can put up posters. We can do all sorts of stuff like that till the cows come home. And it doesn't have the same impact or as quick of results on an organization as this particular strategy does. Um, and the other thing I would say to people who feel overwhelmed by trying to think about how to bring this to, you know, a hospital that has, you know, thousands of providers and staff members, figure out how you can start small. Some of the best success that we've had with this in my initial experience with it was with a pilot. Starting small with a group of, you know, a cohort of physicians, uh, you know, a a unit council within a nursing department, um, you know, uh, EBS team from the housekeeping services, um, just trying to find a group or a willing uh, pilot group to start with this and let them have an experience and then let them tell other people about it. Uh, it's a great way to start to think about how you can bring coaching to your organization. And by all means, uh, if people have questions or want to speak about this more, um, I could talk about this for hours on end. I would be happy to, uh, and our team would be great resources. If you're just even kind of thinking about it or batting the idea around, um, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun strategy to talk about, and, and there's a lot of ways to be creative with it that uh, I love exploring with organizations around the country. I think healthcare professionals can definitely take that to heart. And like I said, even if they don't adopt care team coaching, there are those little changes everyone can make that can have a positive impact on professionals in healthcare, on the patient experience, and on just everyone's positive vibes. You know, kind of a, kind of a simple way to sum it up, but, but I, I think it really does come down to that. When you put out positivity in this industry, you get it back. So, Janice, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It was a pleasure getting to chat with you. Again, Janice Gray is the CEO and founding partner of DTA Associates. I'm looking forward to having you back on the podcast. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to toss to our audience for where they can find more information on care team coaching or just DTA Associates in general? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can always email us at contact at dtaassociates.com. Or on our website, dtaassociates.com, we have uh, some case studies out there about this work. We also have a recent white paper called What the Heck is Care Team Coaching? Lots of resources and information available if you want to learn more. Amazing. Well, Janice, again, thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
Thanks so much for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous ones, you can head to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Until next time.